When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of AMA. I am your host, Tom Bilyeu, and I'm going to be answering your questions. And by the way, if you ever want to get one of your questions answered, just send them to AMA at impacttheory.com. Use the subject line AMA question. And if you want to remain anonymous, make sure that you say that. All right. First up, Actually, before we get to that, uh, I want to ask you guys, if you could, if this is adding value, you know I'm on a mission right now to get us into the top 100 podcasts. And to do that, I'm going to need your help. I need you to rate and review on iTunes. That helps tremendously. Uh, That's a huge part of what drives their algorithm. So a rate and review would be amazing if this is added value. I would really, really appreciate it. All right. First question. Talis Halabuzu. Nope. Halabuza. Talis Halabuza. I hear a lot of entrepreneurs, influencers, etc. say, stop trying to get good at the things you suck at. I find myself disagreeing with them on this subject. Didn't we all at one time suck at the thing we are now great at? What if what if it's something we want to get great at but currently suck at? So my question to you is this. What are your thoughts on the statement, stop trying to get good at things you suck at? Okay, this question is tailor-made for me. I'm telling you right now. The thing that should be driving whether you get good at something or not is your goals. If your goals demand that you get good at something, then you're simply going to have to get good at it. To your point, yes, we all at one point sucked at the things that we're now really good at. And the thing that I tell people is we're all born this lump of flesh that cannot hold its own head up, that shits in its own pants. We literally have to learn how to walk and talk and all of that stuff, all the games that we play, learning to read and write, everything. We sucked at it all when we were young and we got good at stuff. Now, that does not mean that we don't have predilections toward things. It doesn't mean that some people aren't going to get early wins or exaggerated um, progress from something. For sure, we are not just blank slates. Definitely, like when it comes to verbal ability, for whatever reason, when I put energy into practicing my verbal skills, I got more of a return than your average person. Cool. So I have definitely over the years made sure that um, when I could, I leveraged that skill, but in no way, shape or form have the things that I've pursued in my life until being um, putting out social content. I never worried about what um, that skill was going to bring me. I simply said, what do I want to accomplish in my life? What do I have to do? What do I have to get good at? And certainly being an entrepreneur was something I did not have any intrinsic skills. Um, I think that being able to communicate effectively certainly has helped me as a leader. Um, but that's, you know, call it 5% of all the things that I've had to learn and get good at to be an entrepreneur. And I think that it is really, um, smart to encourage people to leverage the things that they are good at for sure. But I think that it is a catastrophic mistake to tell somebody that if they're not good at something that they should just ignore it. Now, if you can hire somebody to do the things that you're not good at or to do the things you don't want to do, fantastic, because now you don't have to spend the time getting good at it. But if your goals demand it and there's no one else for you to get to do it, you can't afford to pay somebody, you don't have a partner that can do it, whatever, then you're just going to have to learn it. And I can't tell you how many things on a day 
daily basis that I've had to do throughout my career, even when I had, you know, just gaggles of capital to hire people. There are just times where you have to do things that you don't have a natural bent towards. And by the way, if you don't at least get to the point where you can understand it and have a baseline um skill at it, you can be bamboozled. So I think it is very, very important that people steer by their goals. Natasha Shivani. I love the concept of leveraging your pain to motivate you and push yourself to change. I've really been trying to apply this to my life. Recently, I've had emotional pain, which leaves me frequently feeling physically ill and is paralyzing me, which is turning me, which is turning into a huge obstacle. So with this context, my question is, can you leverage all different types, causes of pain to motivate you? I know positively reframing your narrative is one technique you might recommend and 20-80 ratio of feeling negativity. Do you have any other suggestions of coping with the physical aspect of throwing up from upsetness? So one, it, it is amazing to me. Thank you. I feel very heard right now um, that people are basically removing uh, my common answers to questions. Um, so I appreciate that. It definitely makes me feel like people are really beginning to learn um from that stuff. And then the fact that you're pushing me and saying that it's still an issue uh, is really making me think more about what are some other ways to deal with this. So I think that what's happened is you are now experiencing one of the brain and body's most amazing um, abilities, which is to hardwire and experience on a physical level something that really originated as a thought. And so one, just understanding how powerful that loop is, um, I think is really important for people. And you can do or take advantage of that same wiring process on the flip side. So you can begin to wire a positive feeling, something that's uplifting, something that will make you feel lighter um, versus, you know, getting so upset that you throw up. But you're going to have to do the hard work of unwinding that. And the way that we unwind things is largely by creating a new behavior. So um, really atrophy is the only thing that unwinds something. So we're going to have to insert a new reaction, a new belief. And I think that the most effective strategy for that is cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT. Uh, I really do need to formalize my knowledge on this so that I can be a better um, explainer, but I'll give it to you roughly. So cognitive behavioral therapy largely exists around pattern interrupts. So you have a pattern, you get upset, it begins to manifest physically, which then you worry about. So you're worrying about how it manifests um, physically. And so that only exacerbates the symptoms, which is how we get into this death spiral that ultimately leads you in throwing up because you're getting upset. So you're going to have to begin to identify the narrative that's playing in your head, um, either catastrophizing. So uh, you think that, you know, whatever this thing is, has happened to you instead of being um, something that um, say I've put a lot of work into realizing that basically everything, um, the phrase that I use is this too shall pass. So whatever feeling, whatever horrible event um, has happened, instead of investing in how bad it is or how it has some global uh, calamity associated with it, like, oh, I messed this thing up. Let's say that I went and gave a talk and I was on stage and I messed up. And it's like, man, these people are, are never going to want me to speak again. This is going to get out on social media and people are going to realize that I'm not gifted at speaking. Um, people aren't going to be motivated by me anymore and I'm going to lose followers and then I'm going to lose influence. And without influence, I'm not going to be able to launch the studio. Without the studio, all of my dreams will have come crumbling down and, and you know all of my identity being tied up in my ability to learn and make this happen. It all fell apart in this one moment from this one speech. 
Okay, that's an example of catastrophizing. You're reading into some future scenario. You're making it way bigger um, than it really is. And that would be to fan the flames of that panic in my own mind. So what I do instead is let's say that I were up on stage and I fucked up. First of all, if I'm in the middle of it and I realize that I fucked up, what I start doing is I say, this is amazing. This is my opportunity to claw my way from a deficit and practice... That's a huge thing that I think you need to start using that I'm going to practice getting myself out of this. Now, why do I say that the word practice is important? Because that is a powerful reminder that everything in life is really just practice. There is no ultimate performance. There is no moment that your entire life hinges on. There's only opportunities to practice. So there's opportunities to practice when the pressure is on. There's opportunities to practice when you've messed up, but it's not, I never allow myself from a narrative perspective in terms of what I'm saying in my own head, what I'm telling myself about that moment or my life. I never allow myself to believe, oh my God, this is it. Everything's riding on this moment because that's how you then hardwire it and you get really freaked out and the anxiety just continues to escalate. And then if I found out afterwards, and there's nothing that I can do now to take it back, I just remind myself that this too shall pass. This feeling, this backlash, this failure, whatever, the sting of the defeat, the um, whatever impact that it may have on my career, because it really may um, slow me down. It really may be a stumbling block. It may be something that I'm ultimately going to have to overcome. It's not pretending that things don't have consequences, but it is recognizing that nothing is ever as good as you want it to be, and nothing is ever as bad as you fear it is. And so you using the mantra of this too shall pass. This bad feeling shall pass. I will once again feel light. I will once again be excited and optimistic. I just know that. And so repeating that in my head, that this is practice, that this too shall pass, like those things really help interrupt that narrative of catastrophizing and making things bigger than it needs to be. So I would start doing that. Then once we have the pattern interrupted, we're going to start using things like gratitude for all the things that you do have. So instead of, you know, really investing... <clears throat> excuse me, into the emotion of this bad thing, this bad moment, you're going to emotionally invest in things that you're grateful for. So all of a sudden, through repetition of doing that, every time something goes wrong, you're forcing yourself into the mindset of gratitude. You're forcing yourself to think of things that you've done well, things you're grateful for in your life. Suddenly, a negative thing becomes a habit loop trigger for something positive. And so oddly enough, through that same rewiring and repetition pro process, even the failure becomes a moment of like, not quite excitement, but it becomes, you know, something good is coming and you can feel that in the loss. And so that has been really powerful in my own life of knowing that, oh, cool, I'm going to do all these mental gyrations and I'm going to put myself back in this really positive place. So when I mess up, it's like, I know I'm going to get stronger from this. And that mindset comes so quickly after the sting of the failure, the mistake, the embarrassment, whatever, that that's even hardwired in. So um, I'm not saying that I don't have the, the sting of that, that I don't feel those things, but I am saying that they are very short lived and those aren't the things that live in my body, the things that live in my body are how rapidly I'll slip into optimism, gratitude, um, you know, the calming effects of meditation. Like I know all that stuff's coming. And so I can feel that even in the background in those moments of pain. So that's a lot. Hopefully uh, that all made sense because it's insanely powerful. It changed my life and hopefully it will change yours. Leah Schmallenberg. 
When it comes to matters that involve free will, specifically falling in love and finding chemistry in a relationship, what are the tangible steps I can take? People always say, make vision boards, think positive, etc. But when there is no physical action steps to achieve that goal, what can I do in the meantime? Wait? That doesn't make sense for me and... And I wanted your opinion. I'm getting mixed messages on meditating with intent, visualization, etc. Is that the same as the law of attraction? Is it a waste of my time? So um, my messaging around the law of attraction is this. Half of it is amazing and half of it is bullshit. The half that is amazing is that you really can prime your mind. Meaning if you're being optimistic, if you're thinking positive, if you believe things can happen for you, if you believe that putting in the work is going to get you a result, that belief means that you then will actually go and take the actions that you need. Whereas if you believe that no matter how hard you work, it's never going to happen for you, then you're never going to work and find out that it actually does work. That if you put in the work, you can get better and having skills is ultimately what it's all about. And when your skills allow you to do things other people can't do, then you can make magic happen in your life. But the part of the law of attraction that's bullshit is thinking that simply thinking about it is going to make it happen. It is not. You're not going to think your way to a parking spot. You're not going to think your way to a million dollars. You're going to execute your way to a million dollars. That's the reality. So you need both a positive mindset. You need optimism. You need to think that your energies and efforts will be rewarded so that you then go put in the energy and the effort. So that is absolutely critical. Now, you said that sometimes there aren't positive steps that you can take. I literally cannot think of a single example where there isn't something that you can do to move towards your goal, even if it's falling in love, which should be the one that seems the most implausible. But the reality is, first of all, becoming somebody worthy of being in a relationship with, which is the first step to actually getting the proximity and the intimacy that then can develop into love, like that is certainly a step that you can take in the right direction. So even in something like that, I think there's always something that we can be doing. So in your life, don't ever allow yourself to believe that you're not in control. Don't ever allow yourself to believe that there isn't something that you can do to make the outcome better, to even just learn. Like, if there's nothing you can do other than change the way that you think about what's happening to you, fine. You can still change the way that you're thinking about what's happening to you. So, you know, if you get into a horrible car accident and you're paralyzed and there's nothing you can do to unparalyze yourself, well, first of all, I would say that have you really gone and, like, availed yourself of all the research and started to figure out maybe you have the breakthrough inside that allows people to fix spinal injuries. That's certainly one option. Um, you may say, okay, I'm not willing to do that. Fine. Maybe you don't want to do that. Maybe that isn't the contribution that you want to do. But then you can reframe what's happened to you and start asking yourself, how is this thing that I perceive to be the worst thing that ever happened to me? How is it actually the best thing that's ever happened to me? Is it giving me empathy? Is it teaching me something that I can then teach to others? Can I lighten the burden of somebody else? Like in all of that, even that, you can begin to take steps to actively change your mindset, to reframe the incident. And that stuff is powerful. So I really believe there is always, always, always something that you can do to, at a minimum, reframe the situation. And I think the vast majority of the time, there's something that you can do to acquire a skill that would be tremendously useful, even something like love. Arthur Baines. My question is about your specific food choices. You've said numerous times that you have your diet on lockdown, and you've mentioned that your 
If you want a fighting chance against the competition, you need to be using the best technology and platforms in the world like Shopify. For whatever and wherever you want to sell, from launching to going international, Shopify is the global commerce platform that will help you grow at every stage of your business. Shopify is your all-in-one platform to quickly and efficiently take your business to the next level. Now, I love everything about Shopify because it makes it so easy for you to start run and grow your business. It didn't used to be this easy. I'm telling you back in the day, it was a lot harder. I'm so jealous. Shopify powers more than 10% of all US e-commerce because businesses that want to grow quickly and efficiently choose Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash impact, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash impact now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash impact. If getting your hands dirty and taking good care of your car or cars is a passion of yours, then eBay Motors is here for the ride. Because I'm sure you remember when you first saw the potential in that beauty. And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly with eBay Motors. Brake kits, LED headlights, exhaust kits, turbochargers, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Current, you mentioned that you currently cycle on and off ketogenic diet. Could you tell us more about some of your specific go-to foods? What are the things that you eat every day? What do you grab when you are out on the road and need something quick? Okay, so I find this so fascinating. Right now, I'm wearing a continuous glucose monitor. I highly encourage everybody out there to find a way to get excited and interested in diet and the way that your body responds. Why? Because when you're interested, then all of a sudden you can gamify stuff. You can have fun with it. You're naturally going to want to do it. You're going to want to improve. And I find for whatever reason, that if I can measure something, I can get excited about it because then it becomes a game. Like right now, my average blood glucose level, um, I've had the meter on me for two weeks and my average level over that entire time is 86 or 87, I forget. Um, I think it's 87. Um, So now it's like, hey, how much can I lower my average glucose level? And that becomes fun. The other thing that I'm doing is eating something and then seeing what's the response that I have. Well, other people might not have that same response. What's my blood glucose response? And then, by the way, how do I feel? Okay, so I get that none of this is answering your question, but uh, I will get to that in a moment. The reason that I'm doing this long preamble is the, the real answer that you're looking for is how do you ultimately optimize your health? And that to me is far more interesting. And and I really, really hope that everyone listening will find a way to tap into that because the rewards are unimaginable. Okay, so now the specific answer to what are my go-to foods? Uh, My go-to food, the thing that I probably consume the most calories is eggs. So um, even that, like if I'm on the road, I'm always trying to find eggs. Um, This probably isn't ideal and I shudder to think what else they put in their eggs. Uh, But I'll go to say McDonald's and I'll get their um, sausage egg biscuit and I'll just eat the sausage and the egg. Um, I'll 
get a burger. That's the second thing that I eat the most of is beef. So um, I eat a ton of beef and you can find that in a lot of places. Very easy to get a hold of when you're on the road. Just don't eat the bun, don't eat the sauces. So I'm eating beef, lettuce, pickle. Um, but Monday through Friday, my diet is almost the same every meal. Um, and I'll get, I'll get to more stuff. Obviously I eat quest on the road and stuff like that. Um, but I try to eat whole food as much as humanly possible. Um, so here is my diet Monday through Friday, almost without exception. Um, the, so first of all, I intermittent fast, I intermittent fast for about 16 hours. And then my first meal is going to be a hamburger, um, with a bit of cheese and egg yolks. So I'll do three to four egg yolks, um, about six ounces of beef, sometimes a little bit less than that. Um, I will sometimes crumble a little bit of pork rind and put that on. Uh, I'll, I'll put some olive oil on that and saute that all lightly in a pan. Um, my egg yolks are, um, I, I do them. Um, so I crack the egg open, I sieve out the white, I put the um, the yolk itself into the, um, the olive oil and let that cook until it's sort of like a hard boiled egg. Um, and then the beef, the pork rinds, the cheese are all sort of, um, together with some olive oil on it. And then I'll do like today it was collard greens. I'll do collard greens. I'll do bok choy. Um, I will do, um, green beans, trying to think of what other vegetables I do. I'm forgetting. Oh, kale. I do a lot of kale. Um, and then that's meal one and three and four. And then literally the exact same thing, one, three, and four. And then meal two is I'm still living off of um, these Quest Keto Cups that we did for a while. We stopped doing them. I'm so sorry. Um, but using those, I melt them down. And then I put in it a little bit of peanut butter and pecans. And that shit is delicious. That is freaky good. And by the way, if anybody knows um, of some keto chocolate, I'm all ears. You can ping me, hit me, DM me on Instagram. Um, I'm looking for some new keto chocolate because I fear that I'm about to run out. Um, and then, yeah, that's it. So that's my uh, second meal. So that's one, three, and four, or uh, one through four. And then that's Monday through Friday. And then Saturday and Sunday, I'm far looser. I introduce some carbohydrates on the weekend just because it's fun, not because I think it's going to help me live forever. Um, I have popcorn. I have a homemade popcorn machine. I use coconut based butter um, so that it is a, uh, a healthier oil or uh, yeah, I guess it's it sort of looks like butter and it has butter flavoring in it, but ultimately it's the oil that you're cooking the kernels in. Um, but again, it's coconut based, not a vegetable oil. Um, that's freakishly good. And then I eat that same meal that I described with the beef and the cheese and the egg yolks um, on the weekends. And then what else will I have? Uh, I might have some peanuts on the weekends. Um, that's about it. And then if I'm going to cheat or something, then I'll have cold stone. And that's essentially my existence. I uh, don't cheat um, very often, but when I do, I enjoy the shit out of it. Um, okay. Travel foods. When I'm traveling, I'm, uh, I try to eat like meat sticks and stuff. I try to keep them ultra low in sugar. Um, it, there's some out there, I think by Epic that have like one or two grams of sugar. Um, those are amazing and easy to carry around cause they're prepackaged. Um, I also do some of the moon cheese from, Oh God, is it called that? I think it's called that. Um, from, um, Starbucks. So usually you can find those at pretty much any airport. All right. That's essentially everything that I eat it's very limited in variety, which is bad, by the way. I don't encourage people to do that. It is simply because it's easy and fast and light on the blood sugar.
All right. So, yes, that is my um, my diet. And by the way, if you guys want to learn about things like diet, might I suggest that you go to Skillshare. I love these guys, and they are today's AMA sponsor. So thank you so much to Skillshare. Uh, they're an online learning community, by the way, for those that don't know. And they have over 25,000 classes in design, business, a whole bunch more. You guys will discover countless ways to fuel your curiosity, creativity, your career. You can take classes in social media marketing, mobile photography, creative writing, or even illustration. So whether you guys are looking to cultivate a new passion, start a side hustle, or just gain some new professional skills, Skillshare is there to keep you guys learning, thriving, and reaching your goals. And we've used them here at Impact Theory quite a bit, um, even on the comic book, uh, which anybody that's helping me on that comic book has my eternal love. So Skillshare, you guys know I love you. And if you guys want to get on board with Skillshare and join the millions of students that are already learning, um, we have a special offer for you. So you can get two free months of Skillshare. That's right. Skillshare is offering Impact Theory followers a two months unlimited access to over 25,000 of their classes for free. To sign up, just go to Skillshare.com slash Impact Theory Again, go to Skillshare.com slash Impact Theory to start your free trial today. That's Skillshare.com slash Impact Theory. Guys, you know my obsession with getting good at stuff, so get after it. Try it. We try to bring you rad sponsors who have rad offers, and I think that's one of them. So get to Skillshare. Try them out. Let me know what you think, by the way. Love to hear about it. Hey guys, our friends at ButcherBox have an amazing offer for you. They want to give you two pounds of wild-caught Alaskan salmon for free and $20 off your first order when you go to ButcherBox.com and enter the discount code TOM at checkout. This is a company that Lisa and I have become really obsessed with because, one, it's so critical to know that it's high-quality food that you're getting, and it's delicious, it's healthy, and most importantly, you can really trust these guys. You can check out all of their options at their website, ButcherBox.com, from 100% grass-fed and grass-finished beef, free-range organic chicken, and even a special breed of extra-tasty pork. You get your personal selections of meats delivered directly to your door with free shipping if you live within the 48 contiguous United States. And their prices have just come down to just $6 a meal. So get your free salmon right now and the $20 discount by using the discount code TOM, that's T-O-M, when you check out at ButcherBox.com. Go after these guys, man. Get them. They are amazing. I think you guys are going to love them as much as Lisa and I do. All right. Enjoy and be legendary. All right. Next question is from Nikki Miller. My two-year-old granddaughter, Phoebe, has hip displacement. Last year, she underwent a five-hour operation and had a full body cast plus both legs for 12 weeks. Unfortunately, her hip socket has still not grown enough and now faces and now faces in nine months' time 
another operation and full cast again. I remember Sean Stevenson talking about bone regrowth and the importance of sleep. She's a great sleeper. Phoebe gets plenty of exercise. She's never still and goes swimming too. Her diet is good. I understand diet would be super important. So I wanted to know of any foods that would be a benefit to her during this stage. What advice could you think to encourage her body to focus on this area? And how can we support her over the next crucial few months. All right, here is the bad news. Unfortunately, I'm just not the right person to answer this question. I will give you some very um, high-level stuff about anti-inflammatory, but you really need somebody that's going to give you um, well-researched information on this, and I know nothing about this kind of um, bone problem or growth problem or anything like that. So um, having said that, I will point you in the direction of someone like Ben Greenfield, who I think is far more well-researched in the area um, than I am. Some other people that you might want to reach out to. Mark Sisson, I think, has some pretty extraordinary insights. Um, Oh, God, there's a guy. Oh, I'm so blanking on him right now. I can't believe it. He would. Oh, that's terrible. Um, So um, Dr. Perlmutter is another person that might have some extraordinary insights from a diet perspective. Uh, But yeah, you want to find somebody with an MD on this one, I think, is my ultimate recommendation. Um, Anti-inflammatory foods, cut out the sugar, cut out the carbohydrates. Um, Some green leafy vegetables would be extraordinary. Um, And then, yeah, anything that is high in healthy fats, undamaged fats, Um, Olive oil is a great source of fat. Um, Red meat. I know that one's controversial, but I'll stand behind that again with a full disclaimer that I'm not an MD. Um, But in terms of what has had a tremendous impact on me from an anti-inflammatory standpoint, anything that allows you to get into ketosis, it would be worth talking to a doctor about actually getting her into ketosis, which can be measured in the blood. It is not about just adding fat to your diet. It is about subtracting carbohydrates. Um, It's about eliminating sugar. It's about even reducing your protein intake. But that may be horrible for her kind of healing. So that's why I say you need to really seek somebody out that knows what they're talking about. All right. Since on this, I don't, I'm going to stop talking now and go to the next question. Sorry that I failed you on that one. Um, Corey Cohen, I'm looking to start my own business. I've also been very interested in different ways to stimulate the brain and take your mind away from distractions sometimes. So I started playing video games again. I limit the time for the most part, but there's this stigma that you shouldn't be playing video games and doing something um, other with your time, especially if you're trying to run a business. My question is, how often do you play and balance it out? All right, I'm going to tell you right fucking now, people should be playing more video games Some people, maybe that's not good advice. People who play none should definitely be playing more. So I think that video games are an extraordinary way to sharpen your mind, to practice something that takes a high degree of hand hand-eye coordination, focus, self-improvement. You've got to be in there really figuring out how to get better. Because you're playing a game, you're either winning or losing. It is very easy to see you're either improving or not. It is very easy to see. You can figure out ways to practice. It is this perfect microcosm for life, especially when you're playing against other human beings. I absolutely love that. A lot of these games let you track your stats. So if we're talking about like a first-person shooter or something like that, it's pretty extraordinary how much you can practice in a microcosm things that will be beneficial in the world at large. Um, One of them, one of the most underrated, 
related things is the ability to calm yourself in very stressful environments and see how that impacts your performance. So I think that's really powerful. Now, personally, I only play on the weekends. Um, I think everybody listening to my podcast knows at this point that Monday through Friday, if I'm awake, I'm either working or working out. Now, I prioritize sleep. I make sure that I'm getting all the sleep that I need. Um, but yeah, during the week, I'm, I am working. I am focused on self-improvement. I am focused on the business. Uh, but on the weekends, I am definitely playing. I play with my wife, which is another way for us to bond and be on the same team and have the same goal. It's really quite fun, really quite extraordinary. Um, so there are definitely games you could play that are probably a little more mindless um, and just uh, wasting time. But look, if you allocate a certain number of hours where you're like, this is my time to zone the fuck out, by all means, go do it and don't feel bad. Relish that time. Do things that make you feel alive. Do things that make you have fun. Here's the reality. Playing video games, the type that I play, which are aligned with my personality, make me feel alive. So I love that shit. I don't feel any need to... Um, defend that or justify it, man, I lean into that shit. So you just have to make sure that you're carving out um, enough time to do the things that are valuable to you in an ongoing basis. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, there these days there are professional gamers. There are people that make an extraordinary living off of this. So it's not even like I can give you some blanket assessment of how much time you should be putting into it. All of that's going to be based on what your goals are. So as long as it doesn't conflict with your goals, I say go for it. Live a life that you absolutely love. Andreas Kremer? Andreas Kremer, I'm going with that. Um, my question is, why have you decided against having a child? To me, it seems like having a child and pursuing a growth mindset go hand in hand. Raising a child with a growth mindset would allow for an astonishing amount of potential. As I see it, most people develop a growth mindset later in life, whereas you would have the ability to raise a child from birth with a growth mindset was keeping you from tapping into this. Uh, a desire. I have a desire to live a life that is would be wildly hampered by having kids. So when I reach out into my future and I think about the kind of life I want to live, um, I will say for me, it um, the reality is there are two things that I want desperately. I desperately want to have a kid. I think that would be amazing. I really do think it would be, and I big brothered for long enough that I know how extraordinarily attached you can become to another human being, and I know how much uh, beauty that can bring to your life, and I really think that it is wonderful, and I think that there are, there's nothing else like it. I can only imagine that when it's a child that um, is genetically connected to you, that it's you know even on a whole another level. But my thing is, the only thing that I want more than I want to have a child is to not have a child. And I think that the reason that having a kid is so compelling and so magical and so amazing and so worth it for so many people is that it is a glorious path to fulfillment. You're suddenly not just living for yourself. You're living for somebody else. You're watching them grow. You're helping them be a better person. It's like, talk about a magical thing, a way to serve other people and get out of your own head and, you know, just like really invite that human connection and beauty into your life. And just nature's made sure that that shit is amazing. So I fully understand that. But I have a different path to fulfillment, which is to build. And I love building. And I've never had more fun than I've had when I'm building businesses that align with my 
passions and what I want to bring to the world and being able to help and serve other people. Like that is amazing. So because I'm so hell bent to go down that path and do those things and add value like that, um, I'm, I'm filled. And so there isn't this sense of void or something lacking. Now, parents out there are thinking, you, you just can't imagine. You can't imagine the transformative power of a child. And I'll agree to that, but I will say only one thing. Dogs have a far keener sense of smell than we have. It's extraordinary. And I remember when Wookie went missing. For those of you that don't know that story, my tiny little Pomeranian went missing for 36 hours in coyote country. And we hired a canine unit. And having that canine unit catch her scent and then chase it down was extraordinary to watch. And I thought, I'm occupying the same space with this dog. I can't smell what it can smell. And it took us right to this one intersection and sat down in the middle of the road, which means that that's where the scent goes away. And we put signs up around that. And the next day, our dog was returned because the guy had picked her up right there, right where the dog signaled. And because we knew to put the signs there, we got her back. And I say all of that because I have no sense of missing something, even though the dog must look at me and be so sad for me that I can't smell something like that and follow its trail and be able to essentially, you know, have a, a, a sense that we don't even have. Like the level to which they can smell is so much greater than ours that they could do something like that, like walk to the exact place that my dog was picked up. That's pretty fucking extraordinary. Um, or smell drugs in a suitcase. I mean, it's it's pretty amazing. They have seizure alert dogs. Seizure alert dogs because they can smell the seizure coming. Think about that for a second. That's insane. But I don't have a sense that anything is missing in my life. So should the dog mourn for me or should the dog understand that I have no sense that something is missing? That's how I feel about kids. My life is full and beautiful and wonderful. And so while I get how beautiful having a kid would be, it's contrary to what I want in my life. Now, I've chosen to want these things, and I've built in that desire, and I get it. I could have just as easily built something else, and maybe it would have been even easier to get that fulfillment in my life had I chosen the path of children. And I'm very glad that other people choose it. But for me, it's I just don't want it as badly as I want the life that I'm living now. That was a long answer, but I hope it was amazing. <laughs> All right, next question. Oh, this is not an easy name. Kibetso Manapula. Kibetso Manapula. A group of us are working on building a movement that will empower people here in Lesotho and beyond to build, create a positive self-image that helps them escape the matrix using fitness as a catalyst. My view is that we founders should work hard to impact ourselves before we go broader and try to help others as it will be uh, demonstrable that it works. In your view, what are the top critical success factors we should focus intently on and then ways to go about creating revenue streams in order to fund growth? All right. What exactly are you guys doing? Okay. So this is, um, this is a bit tough because we I don't exactly know what it is you guys want to do for a business. So I can walk you quickly through um, 
Basically, I think a lot of people make the mistake of having a vague sense that they want to help people and they don't know how they're going to turn that into a business. So you've got to work backwards. You've got to figure out, okay, this is where I want to do or what I want to get to, who I want to help. What are your passions? How can your passions feed into that? Um, and then how do you get good enough to add enough value with that, that you can actually monetize this and don't move forward until you see the path actually monetizing it. So I'll give you the example in my own life. So Obviously, I become through working in the inner cities. Uh, I've told that story a thousand times, but um, my experience working in inner cities really leaves me with this absolutely crushing desire to pull people out of the matrix by giving them an empowering mindset. Okay, so I started thinking, well, how does one do that? Um, one, you can do what I call nonfiction, direct-to-camera stuff. Uh, it's ironic saying that when I'm doing this as a podcast and there's no cameras, but you get the idea. I'm just talking. It's a nonfiction. I'm telling you exactly how to think and what to do and all of that. Um, but I find that less than 5% of people are actually going to do something with that. Um, and so that was very frustrating for me. And I thought, hmm, that doesn't speak to my desire to scale. I want to help people that have never encountered a growth mindset before that are maybe even antagonistic to change. So how am I going to do this? And through a lot of researching, um, realize that the only way that humans assimilate truly disruptive information is through narrative. Okay, well, that's amazing because narrative is my first love, filmmaking, storytelling. That's what I'm good at. That was certainly how we were able to grow Quest um, as fast as we were is, you know, I wanted to storytell no matter what. I just needed that in my life. And so we started doing that before it was a thing uh, and it ends up working, you know, obviously incredibly well for us. Um, so I look at how I can apply that here in the fiction realm. So now I've got the nonfiction and the fiction and realize that if I can tell one type of story from a thousand different angles that we could begin to impact the cultural subconscious. And so then I look at, well, is there anybody that's done this before? And the answer, of course, is yes. Disney, I think, is the closest thing. They essentially created Americana um, through telling one kind of story from a thousand different angles. So I see that this is possible. So you've got the sort of four minute mile effect of somebody's already done this. Um, so there's no, I'm not going to waste any time, you know, debating whether or not this can be done. And there's a proven business model in terms of both on the social side of creating content, monetizing off advertising, uh, brand partnerships, all that stuff. And then on the fiction side, there's obviously a huge um, and well-established hundred plus year um industry around filmmaking, TV, and all that. So um, that was how I broke it down into what will this look like as a business that could be modeled out. So you guys are going to need to do all of that um, before you just start going down that path because if you can't find a way to make money, it's never going to be self-sustaining. So um, that's just the reality of the world that we live in. All right, guys. Unfortunately, I'm out of time. I'm getting sweated. Uh, my wife now needs a space. All right, guys. Thank you so much for sending in your questions. That always means the world to me. And again, if I could get you guys to rate and review, that'd be huge. If this adds value, that'd be really tremendous. Sharing it is also wonderfully impactful. Um, absolutely means the world to me. And um, just to let you guys know, by the time you hear this, um, it will be, well, it's already available. Anyway, uh, I'll finish that sentence. By the time you hear this, um, it will be time to go and place your pull list request for Neon Future Issue 2. Uh, if you haven't done Issue 1, I highly suggest you do that as well. Uh, this is only for comic book fans. Don't do this as a favor to me. But if you are interested in visual storytelling, if you're interested in comic books, head to your local comic shop, add Neon Future to your pull list. That would be extraordinary. All right, guys, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.
Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening. And if this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, rate and review us. That helps us build this community. And that is what we are all about right now, building this community as big as we can to help as many people as we can deliver as much value as possible. And you guys rating and reviewing really helps with that. All right, guys, thank you again so much. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.